0: Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Thursday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin.com. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T, A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. You can also simply find me by searching Azrin the Language Nerd on your favorite social media platform. So again, that is spelled A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N, the Language Nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. Man, I've had a weird start to the morning. Actually, that's not true. I've had a really good start to the morning. As I said, it is Thursday today, and on Thursdays, I don't have my Mandarin class in the mornings, which means that I can wake up a little bit later than usual. I can sleep a bit more. I can rest. I can relax a bit. And as of of right now, I've chosen to keep my Thursdays pretty open in terms of teaching and things like that. Because there are some things that I'm working on behind the scenes work-wise that I don't really know how they're going to play out and I suspect that they are going to take extra time and I want to keep a little bit of more space open at least on one day a week, that is a work day, um, as those different projects and stuff develop because I think I might actually need the time. That being said, today, there was not really anything extra or crazy that I needed needed to do for work that was super urgent or anything like that. And so I decided to take the morning to get some extra rest. It is currently just before one o'clock as I'm recording this. And while I have done some work, I wrote a pretty cool blog post, which we'll get into in a moment on my Facebook page. I made a little bit of extra content posted on Instagram, replied to a bunch of comments and stuff, but nothing overly super duper mentally taxing or anything like that. But after I finish this podcast, the real work, kind of the more intense work, some of the more intellectually challenging and engaging and and taxing work is going to be starting. And so, um, yeah, I guess this is the end of my break as I record this podcast. I want to jump into the blog post that I just posted about 20 minutes ago on my Facebook page, which is an interesting little anecdote. You see, a lot of us, and I've said this before, we view fluency as the highest level of speaking a language. A lot of people sort of default into thinking this way. However, as we've said many times on this podcast, that is not necessarily true. The easiest way to demonstrate this is by saying, a four-year-old native French speaker does not speak anywhere near as well as a 37-year-old second language French speaker who's been studying it for eight years. In other words, you could have an intermediate level as an adult, and you probably are already stronger in Spanish than a four-year-old native speaker in terms of vocabulary, ability to speak grammatically correctly, et cetera, et cetera. For me, I'm really close to this and I see this firsthand quite a bit nowadays because I work, as I said before, with a Colombian family and I teach them all English. The four-year-old daughter speaks Spanish, obviously, as her mother tongue. It's the only language she speaks. And it's funny, like the number, not funny, but it's just interesting to see how limited she really is with Spanish and how many mistakes she makes. It's crazy how many grammar mistakes and random things she says that either were like, I don't know what the heck she said. And even the mom is like, I don't know what the heck she said (laughs) because it just didn't make sense and she messed up words and it just came out wrong. Or times where she says something and she she says it wildly incorrectly grammatically, but you still really get it. So that's the easiest way to kind of demonstrate this whole fluency, you know, quote unquote being fluent, not being the most advanced level that one could achieve in a language. I want to go a little bit deeper with this whole conversation with a little bit of a different example that I think is going to throw a lot of you for a loop. Now there are people that I know, two who come to mind specifically, who speak French and Spanish respectively. Um, really, really well, like very strong levels. The Spanish speaker is probably, I would say at an upper, probably like a B2 kind of level. So an upper intermediate, While the French speaker is definitely much closer to a C1, so kind of a lower advanced, like really, really strong kind of French. Both of them have learned these languages as second languages, as foreign languages, and they are not their mother tongues. And yet, with these two particular people, if I were to have a intellectual conversation with them about a very deep topic, such as religion or sciences or whatever, something deeper and something really intellectual. These two non-native speakers would navigate those conversations at a much higher comfort level and for lack of, a better, lack of a better term, with much more fluency than a lot of native speakers I know just because of their overall intelligence. So even though they're more limited with vocabulary, maybe with grammar, things like that, they are more knowledgeable about the topics often, right? If it's a deeper topic than some native French and Spanish speakers that I know. And that's a whole interesting thing. It seems so backwards that what Uh, a learner of the language can navigate the whole, can navigate conversations, some conversations better than a native speaker. Like what the heck, that seems so crazy, but it happens. And so fluency is dependent upon the types of topics you are well versed in what you know how to talk about what you don't know how to talk about and it's not just a, it's not just a matter of do you know a lot of words do you know a lot of grammar can you string words and stuff together properly it's not just about that and fluency is on such a sliding scale and it's such a it's such a difficult thing to really measure ultimately another representation of this has to do with Oh shoot, what was it? I just had the craziest thought and I lost it. It was such a good thing I wanted to share with you guys, but I don't remember what it was. Oh my God, ah, I hate it when that happens. Seeing as these aren't scripted and a lot of my podcasts, well, all my podcasts are quite on the fly. Sometimes it happens where I have a really good idea that I wanna share with you, but it slips away from me and I just can't remember what it was. Ah oh, well, it is what it is. Okay, I just paused it for a moment and I thought about it and I tried to figure out what I was going to say and I remembered. It was a slight tangent on this whole conversation of fluency, but it is a relevant tangent. There is a, con- a concept that some people have, maybe even, actually, definitely many people have, which is around native speakers being a better teacher than non-native speakers. In other words, some people believe that there is a correlation between your fluency in a language and your ability to teach that language. But here's the thing, guys, there actually is very little, there's very little correlation between your ability to communicate in a language and your ability to teach that language. Very little, very little correlation at all. Now let's start here. I will say this. You do have to understand the con. You do have to understand whatever concept you're teaching, In another language you do have to understand that concept quite well in order to be able to teach it that for sure is a given you can't go and start teaching you know uh, phrasal verbs in English and you pick out five phrasal verbs there's no way you're going to be able to teach those phrasal verbs if you have no idea what they mean that is common sense I don't really think we have to debate or argue or dive further into that but I will say this let's say You are a, uh, an English learner and you speak Spanish as your mother tongue, as your first language. Okay. And let's say, you know, only one thing in English. The only thing, the only category of knowledge you have is being able to introduce yourself really well. Like, you know how to say your name. You can say your age. You can talk about your work and your profession. You can talk about like anything that has to do with introducing yourself. This is knowledge that you have really good. This is, this is stuff that you know really, really well. This, if you know that stuff really, really well, and you have an ability to break that concept down and explain it really well, you could teach that concept to other people. In fact, you might even teach that concept better than uh, better than someone who speaks the language really fluently. It's just reality. It's just the truth. That's why that's actually how I am able to run Mandarin events in my city. I host meetups and get togethers and I host a lot of Mandarin events where I teach Mandarin despite the fact that my Mandarin level is basically a kind of lower intermediate. I'm at a very intermediate kind of stage with my Mandarin. So I'm nowhere near fluent and I'm like, I have so much left to learn and yet here I am teaching things. And that is because for the things that I know well, I am, I know how to break them down for other people. I know my pronunciation is really good, right? Especially in isolation. If I just have to say one character or a simple phrase, right? If I'm not just, if I'm not trying to say things spontaneously, my pronunciation is like, it's it's near perfect. It's really, really good. And I understand it well. So And I know how to coach people to help them figure out the pronunciation. Anything beginner level, no problem. I can break it down for you. I can organize games and activities and, and help you really grasp them. So it's an interesting thing. It's a tangent, like I was saying, but it is a relevant tangent on what does it take to be a good teacher of something and to tie a bow in that conversation It comes down to, first of all, you understanding the concept that you're trying to teach and then you having the ability to actually break it down and explain it in a way where not only do people understand it, but then you have the ability to actually help them remember it for a longer period of time. You see, this is where we get into some interesting territory, right? And now we're going more into an education and teaching style, like language education from the teaching perspective and less from the learner's perspective. But I want to go there because that's a big part of my life. Um, It's interesting how we define what a good teacher is. You know, I think a lot of people find that the the teaching, how, how can you say this? That the teacher's job starts and ends in the classroom. In other words, if you get four people, 20 people, 10 people, one person, doesn't matter, a certain number of people in a room, your job is to be able to teach them while you have them in front of you. While this is 100% true, I think, for me anyway, the way I think about it is if I've taken on students, it's my job to do everything in my power, both in and out of the classroom, to help them achieve whatever they're trying to achieve with that language help them learn it, remember things. If that means I have to make extra exercises for them while they're out of classes, fantastic. I got to do it. If that means I have to text them between classes to remind them to, to remind them to practice, let's do it. If that means I have to correct their stuff between classes, let's do it. If that means I have to create audios for them to listen to or who knows, like I, that's what I'm trying to figure out, right? It's like what is that role of the teacher? For me, it's fighting for it's fighting for the students really. That's that's my whole version of it as of as of today as a 26 year old guy i mean i'm sure this whole thing will evolve over time like i am a much better teacher today than i was you know at any point in the past and yet i know in five years i'll look back and be like wow Azrin, you knew nothing five years ago i'm so much better now and it's crazy it scares me because i feel so i'm so it's crazy to me because when i look at the language education space right in many ways I view, like there are people that definitely are stronger than me in some respects and better, but I view myself as really good in comparison often. I think another thing to look at as well, and by the way, this is something you should be looking for if you are looking for a language teacher or a tutor or a class or something like that, language coaching, when you're looking for stuff like that, I would look for what what I qualify in my brain, and I'll try and break this down. I would look for a salesman. I would look for someone who can sell and who's who's selling, right? And not and I should be very mindful. Not just selling up front, not just saying all the right things to get you in the door and get your money, not exactly that kind of salesman. Not a salesman who's putting pop-up ads and and is just doing a really good job of marketing themselves, not necessarily but what I mean by salesman is I mean a true salesman. And in my mind, here's what I picture to be a true salesman. In my mind, a true, a quote unquote, true salesman or saleswoman is someone who takes the time to really understand your needs and do everything they can to match those needs and, and meet your needs and hit those needs. It reminds me of uh, the, the the pub owner. I think I've talked about him. There's a new pub or a pub that we've been hosting events at. The sole reason that I host events there is because the guy who runs a place is a really, is a true, like he's a true salesman. Yes, he does follow up with me. Yes, he's absolutely wants my business. No doubt about it. He wants my money. He wants us to go there. He wants, he wants it. There's no doubt about it. He asks shamelessly and he will follow up on things. He's on top of his stuff. He's organized. He, he's a sale. He's selling, right? He's going to do whatever it takes to close a sale. But backed up with that, what he backs it up with, is to get my money, to get our business, he basically wants to know what do, what creates the perfect event for you. What could we do to be the perfect venue? And he does everything he can to do that, to deliver on that. He is like, sure, you want to adjust the menu? Sure, we'll adjust the menu for you guys specifically. We'll have drink specials. Sure, you wanna book, you wanna have private events? Sure, we can look into that. You wanna do this? Yeah, let's figure that out. He's trying to make it perfect for me, so it's kinda like, why the heck would I go anywhere else? For a teacher, you wanna find someone who will do that. You wanna find someone who will take the time to figure out your needs, figure out what you're trying to figure it out for you, right? and they will structure it perfectly or as perfectly as they can for you. They're fighting for you. That's what you wanna look for. And in my mind, that's kinda like the the perfect salesman in many ways, at least the way I view it. So look for someone with those salesman-like tendencies. It, you know, I don't know. For me anyway, I see a lot of benefit in it and I'm always looking for that. And it's something that it's tough to find in my experience. It's not easy to find. I look for it with languages. I look for it in any time I'm trying to find someone to help me improve a skill. I'm looking for that salesman like those salesman saleswoman like tendencies. So anything else I want to share here? I think nothing else. A little bit of a shorter episode, 17 minutes. So let's wrap it up there. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. You guys rock and we will talk next time. Bye for now. See you.